What's going on, College Hoops Heads? This is another episode of the One and Done Podcast with Stephen Bagel and John Simpson. We are joined today by a very special guest, a guest who not only we're excited about, but we have been anticipating a big year out of his team, and that's why, you know, we had to have him on. It's Coach Wes Flanagan from Ole Miss. Coach, how are you doing today? Doing really good, man. Really good. Having a great time here in Oxford, one of the best college towns in America. And uh, just getting our team ready for a great season this year. Of course. The season's about a little less than two weeks away. And you said you have an exhibition coming up. Is that correct? Yes. We play Tusculum on Monday night. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're excited to get our guys out there in front of the fans and, uh, you know, see see how much better we've grown and, and, and developed, man, over the, over the summer and, you know, obviously this fall. Of course. So let, let me start with my first question. John and I, we really wanted to have you on, not only because obviously you're a great coach, but we are super high on Ole Miss. We just did our SEC preview about a week and a half, two weeks ago. We both had SEC, or we both had Ole Miss in the upper half of the SEC. And then, of course, Ken Palm rankings came out, and I believe Ken Palm actually had Ole Miss ranked last out of every team in the SEC. So... (laughs) Why are John and I correct, and why is Ken Palm wrong? Well, you know, to start the season off, man, you can take out all the rankings. Uh, that's just for verbiage. That's just for talk, for conversation. You know, at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, having players that ex- execute the game plan. Uh, you know, we're here to win. Obviously, we got one of the greatest basketball minds in college basketball and Chris Beard. Uh, I love our staff. I think we have one of the best, you know, staffs in college basketball. And uh, we got some veteran players, man, that I think are ready to kind of take a turn. Um, you know, Jamin Brakefield and, and Matt Morrell are two guys that got a lot of experience in uh, in this league, in the SEC, one of the best co- conferences in the country. And uh, I think I think they're ready to get to winning. Uh, they worked really hard to kind of set the tone for our whole group this summer. And uh, I'm just excited, man, to, you know, get a chance to play against somebody else besides ourselves, you know, which we've been doing, you know, for about five months. And, uh, you know, see how this thing turns out. You know, the last time I was with Chris Beard, uh, you know, we had another team that wasn't picked to do much. And uh, we end up winning the most win. You know, we end up winning the most games in conference history. And uh, we hope to do the same thing here at Ole Miss. And uh, <clears throat> Coach Flanagan, you know, you kind of talked about how, uh, you know, you were with Coach Beard before at Texas Tech and then, you know, most recently, you've been at Auburn with uh, Coach Pearl, which is another coach that, you know, I think me and Steven both really respect right. um, has really accomplished a lot uh, at that program. And, uh, you know, what was it like going from being at Auburn and us your alma mater, you know, playing, coaching with Coach Pearl um, uh, and then, you know, getting back and getting back with Coach Beard and moving to Ole Miss for this team, you know, that is really kind of a, a rebuilding process. You know? Right, right. Uh, it was it was a difficult decision, um, but I wouldn't say it was as difficult as a lot of people, you know, uh, probably look on on the outside and looking in. Um, you know, I, I I had a great experience at Auburn. You know, don't get me wrong. Uh, Bruce Pearl has done a heck of a job with that program. Maybe one of the best coaching jobs, man, in in, in college basketball history. You know, when he got there, man, that program was you know down in the dumps. Uh, it hadn't won in about twelve to fifteen years. And uh, he turned that into a Final Four contender. 
um, you know, my my deal, you know, is is if it can be done at Auburn, um, and and I was a former player there, I know how hard it is. Uh, I know where it was when when Bruce got there, um, but but I also know this, um, you know, being a assistant coach at a junior college here in Mississippi, about forty, probably about forty minutes from here in Senatobia, um, you know, there was a great run here in, in Oxford, you know, with Rob Evans and Rob Barnes. And, and I was around during that time. And so, uh, you know, I kind of grew fond of this program. My brother played here. Uh, it's a little bit closer to home. Um, obviously, man, me and Coach Beard, we got an unbelievable relationship, as well as some other staff members that came along with him. You know, I actually played uh, some traveling ball with Al Pinkins when we came out of college. Uh, you know, me and Brian Berg were on the same staff at Little Rock that won all those games. Um, and, and so, you know, coming here, man, there was some familiar faces. You know, Alan Green came here from Auburn as well. Uh, Keith Carter's a guy from Arkansas that I competed against. I was a year older than him in AAU basketball. And so a lot of familiar faces. Uh, you know, Chris Beard called me, you know, and, 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 and saying he needed me, um, you know, after him giving me a chance to be a head coach when um, a lot of people uh, of my color don't get that opportunity. Um, I, I couldn't let the man down. Um, you know, loyalty is a big part of, of me and my family and, and how we were raised. And, uh, you know, when he called and wanted me to come to Ole Miss, knowing what I knew about this program, um, you know, having that fondness in my heart, uh, it was it was kind of a no-brainer for me. Um, it's a new challenge. Um, and, and a guy like me that's been in the business as long as I have, you know, we always look at the different challenges. Uh, this was a challenge, and this one that I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stretching my arms out, and I am belly, I am bellies. So, as John alluded to, you coach with, and you also alluded to, coach you and Coach Beard have, you know, co- been on the same bench before. Essentially, um, that first started at Little Rock before you ended up taking that head coaching job after he got the position at Texas Tech. So I I suppose my question is, you were an assistant on that staff for Little Rock. That was, I believe, a 12 seed when you upset Purdue, who was a five that year. And then obviously, you know, you were on the Auburn bench where you beat Kansas, Kentucky, and UNC. You were the first team to, you made the Final Four, but you were the first team ever to beat the three most winningest programs, you know, in, in college basketball history all in the same tournament to get to the final four. How different is it, you know, obviously kind of game planning as the underdog or at least the perceived underdog, giving you a 12 seed going against a five, as opposed to, you know, Auburn, which, you know, won, as you said, it was historic run, what Bruce Pohl's been doing over at Auburn. So how does that kind of difference? Well, uh, it's not different for me. You know, all my life I've been kind of counted out. All my life I've been overlooked. You know, I was a guy that, you know, didn't even start a high school game until my senior year, but I was on a great high school team. Um, you know, all I know is, man, to put my head and put my head down and work. Uh, and Chris Beard is very similar. And a lot of guys on our staff are the same way. You know, the numbers don't matter. You know, what everybody thinks on the outside does not matter. Uh, what does matter is what those people believe in that locker room. Um, you know, people what people believe in themselves. And, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to – you know, instill into in, into our guys. Uh, you know, everybody puts their pants on, you know, the same way, so to speak, is what my dad always told me, one leg at a time. And so uh, you should never feel inferior to anybody. 
And uh, we don't we don't hear, you know, not one person in this program does. And we're trying to instill that into our team and we'll get that accomplished. Uh, our guys will come out. They'll play hard. They'll execute. They won't feel like anybody's more prepared than them when they go out there on the floor. Uh, and, we, and we'll we'll come to win. You know, we won't we won't come to just be OK or just play the game close. We don't come to win and uh, we'll put our best foot forward in that area every game. Um, you know, you talked about some of your experiences as, you know, being on the bench as an assistant coach and then some of your stops where you've been a, had an opportunity to be a head coach, which is, you know, at any level is an amazing accomplishment. Um, what would you say it's like the difference is um, in kind of your philosophy and um, as being an assistant coach compared to being a head coach? Yeah. Um. You know, I, I think the one thing I learned, you know, being a head coach is you can't assume. I think that's the biggest thing that I learned, uh, you know, those two, three years that I was at Little Rock. You know, you can't assume. You can't assume that, you know, your staff knows what you want. Uh, you can't assume that your players understand uh, what your philosophy is. Uh, you have to do an unbelievable job of communication, communicating. Um, I, I think, you know, two important ingredients of, of a head coach is you have to be a great communicator. Uh, and then number two, you be, you got to be able to manage people. And uh, I, I think that's one of the best things that Coach Beard does. You know, he he empowers us to be who we are, uh, but he's great at managing people. There's not one person in our organization that doesn't understand what his job is, what he has to do on a day-to-day -day basis in order to make this organization work. Um, and that's, that's the one thing that – and one of the biggest reasons I'm back with him right now, you know, to continue to soak up that – that information, you know, I was only with him for seven months. You know, I didn't think it was going to be that quick. Um, but I learned a lot in a year from him. I've learned from Bruce Pearl. I've been around a lot of great head coaches in my days, you know, Doc Sally. Uh, uh, I've learned and took a little bit. I've been in college basketball now 25 years. Um, you know, my dad is a Hall of Fame high school coach. This is all I know, man. If you ask me, uh, to change a flat tire right now, I couldn't do it. Uh, I would have to go read a book. It might take me two or three hours. I would get the job done, but it would take a while. Um, but at the end of the day, um, this basketball thing is something that runs deep you know, through me. But throughout my whole life, career as a basketball player, as a coach, there's there's been one experience that stuck out to me um, the most. Uh, obviously, you know, being a former player at Auburn, being able to go back to my alma mater, play in the Final Four, uh, which is something I dreamed of, uh, that was special. Uh, but nothing was more special, man, than than the year I had at Little Rock with Chris Beard. And, and I, I'm I'm trying to, you know, achieve uh, that feeling again, man. I'm almost like a little crackhead, you know. Uh, I, I want to feel the same way I felt when we won that Sun Belt Conference Championship. I want to feel the same way I felt uh, when we beat Purdue. Uh, because I love that underdog role. I love people telling us that we can't do something and then you make them uh, you, you make them wrong. And so we're here to do that here at Ole Miss. We're here to win. Uh, and I'm excited about that challenge. So I suppose my next question is kind of a two-part question. The first question I have is, Obviously, in college basketball, recruiting is a big aspect of everything, you know, the program does, especially at a program like Ole Miss. How exactly has recruiting changed due to NIL? 
And how has, you know, kind of the transfer portal changed things in a sense? Because, I mean, so much before the um, before like the transfer portal really became a thing, it was so reliant on, you know, freshmen coming in and making an impact. Now, okay, you could kind of rebuild a program on the fly, if you will, with, you know, getting transfers that are automatically eligible a lot of the time. I know you guys may have some waiver issues with some of your guys. I'm not sure the status of that, but... So I suppose my question is, how has NIL impacted recruiting and how different is a recruiting transfer who you've already seen at the high major level compared to, you know, freshmen coming out of high school? Man, uh, that's that's a tough question. Um, You know, I'm an old dinosaur, as you can see. Um, I got a lot of gray. I got as much gray hair in this beard in my head as I do this shirt. Um, I've been around a long time, but I will say this over 25 years, um, there's never been as much change in college athletics as we're going through right now, as we speak coming out of COVID, uh, our whole world has been turned out upside down. You know, there's a lot of things that's hit us, you know, number one, you talked about it. You mentioned, you know, name, image, and likeness. Uh, number two, you you mentioned the transfer portal. These are two things, man, that a lot of us kind of heard about, but we didn't think it was going to come into effect, like, immediately. And that's kind of what's happened. Um, you know, in my opinion, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't think there's enough experience to go around right now with name, image, and likeness to really be able to help anybody understand it right now. Um, you know, I know for us as a staff, you know, we kind of have, you know, an idea of what we're trying to do. Um, but it's almost like professional basketball or football or baseball now. Um, you know, us as a staff, you know, we have a, uh, you know, we have a a, a bucket of, of, of possible cash. Um, you know, we have, uh, you know, some outside entities where, uh, you know, some of our local people get involved with guys. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, my thought process during the recruiting process still goes back to relationships. You know, no matter how much name, image, and likeness it is or involved, uh, you still have to go back to relationships. You have to still go back to, you know, mothers and fathers trusting you, you know, with their most prized possession, you know, their their child. And so uh, I worked that really hard, um, you know, um, I try to do do the best I can with all the new things that are coming at us, you know, whether it be the transfer portal and, you know, whether or not, you know, maybe taking a, uh, a transfer freshman is more important than, you know, possibly an older guy because you're going to have him longer. There's a lot of things that are in conversation when you talk about name, image, likeness and the transfer portal. And what we're trying to do right now as a staff is put our thoughts together, put our minds together and make the best possible decision for Ole Miss. Sometimes it's not just about talent. Sometimes it's not just about name, image, and likeness and whatever the number may be that people are talking about. Um, you know, it's, it's got to be a little bit of everything. And at the end of the day, if, um, you know, a player's, um, you know, thoughts on what he's supposed to be doesn't match up with the staff's thoughts on what he's supposed to be once, once he gets here, uh, then we both got problems. And so we try to be as truthful and honest as we can in recruit. Uh, and then we try to, you know, go back to our relationships, you know, you know, the, the strength of our relationships and, and those people trusting us, you know, again, with their most prized possession. It's a huge responsibility. 
you have a lot of families out here that uh, have invested a lot of time and money into these kids, you know, from starting to age five, six years old. They travel with them almost every weekend because of, you know, travel basketball. And so uh, when you got somebody that's investing in something, you know, for that long um, and, and have done that much, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really, really hard, uh, you know, to try to get them to understand that, you know, their son or their daughter, right, is, is, is maybe not, uh, you know, cut out for the job at hand, um, you know, right now. It's really, really hard to get those people to try to be patient you know, which was, you know, a big part of, you know, the way I grew up playing basketball. You know, now everybody wants it right now. Um, you know, they want to see the success right now. And so, um, you know, we attack it by by being as truthful as we can. Uh, we attack it by, you know, making some really, really good evaluations. Uh, and, and, and the people that we're bringing into our organization, they have to fit. You know, again, it's not just about talent with Chris Beard and, and what we're trying to do here. It's about collectively bringing in someone that fits, you know, our culture. And you'll hear Beard talk about that a lot, but you have to be a little bit different to survive in our culture. And at the end of the day, we feel like our culture uh, will get us to overachieve. Very insightful. Thank you. <laughs> that's, be that's the best I can do. <laughs> That's why you're the coach. about, coach. <laughs> so, uh, you know, just a couple more questions, I think, and we'll get to our full court press. But, um, you know, you kind of talked about some of your uh, recruiting and the idea of, like, you know, sitting down with the mom and dad and, and you know, convincing them that, you know, you're the one that's going to be able to take care and develop their son, you know, or daughter um, into something. Um, and, uh you know, looking at your own personal track record, you know, that's something that you, you're able to back up, you know, and, um, you know, while you're at Auburn developing like the what, second and third ever one and dones of the program, uh, Sharif Cooper, who we love, both of us love, you know, uh, JT Thor, and then some of the forwards that came through there, you know, um, uh, you know, what was that experience like? What are those players like? You know, what was it like developing those guys um, and, and seeing them move on? The one thing that made all those guys special, man, were, you know, all of them were very, very humble, so to speak, you know, considering, uh, you know, all the talk surrounding those guys. They were all very, very humble. They were all hard, hard workers. They all loved basketball, man. Like, you never had to, uh, you know, try to trick any of those guys to get in the gym and work on their craft. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you have to have a little bit of a competitive spirit, too. And and some of those guys had a little bit more competitive spirit than the other, right? But all of them were very, very competitive. Um, you know, I, I would say, man, that the biggest competitor that, that I've coached, you know, so far, man, was Jabari Smith. Like, he, you know, no matter what you was doing, man, what you was competing in, man, he was trying to beat you. And, and that, made, that made him very, very special, man. He, he is the best – uh, college basketball player that, I, that I've ever coached. Uh, he brought it every day. Uh, you didn't have to worry about what you was going to get with him. He wasn't sensitive to, you know, being coached, uh, you know, and he and he was he held himself accountable and he held himself to a high standard. 
Bruce Pearl didn't have to hold Jabari Smith to a high standard. He held himself to a high standard. But man, all, all, I man, I had such a great experience at Auburn, man. Like coaching a lot of great players, even guys that people don't even talk about. Jerry Harper, Bryce Brown, you know, the heart and soul of that Final Four team, man. Those two guys, man, like they were undersized guys for their position. Uh, they wasn't heavily recruited coming out of high school. You know, Coach Pearl and his staff, they made a great evaluation on both of those guys. Uh, they both came from, you know, unbelievable support systems. And they got to Auburn, man. They just worked. Um, but watching those two guys play was, was man, like listening to, you know, like Tupac, my favorite rapper, right? My, my favorite musician. Watching those two guys play was like, you know, listening to Tupac for me. And so, uh, you know, just being around great players, man, for five years while I was at Auburn. Uh, enjoying that, you know, being around, you know, uh, the winners program, you know, uh, at, at Auburn, uh, doing that span, um, you know, it was it was good, man. I enjoyed it. Um, and walking up on that stage, you know, in the Minneapolis and, and, and being a part of Final Four was was something even as a kid that I dreamed about. You know, I grew up, you know, a son of a Hall of Fame high school coach. Uh, I, I laid on the floor, man. We had one television in the, in the in the household. And we watched whatever Pops was watching, <laughs> you know, unless he was sleepy or, you know, he just didn't want to watch TV at that time. And more times than not, man, every year I would lay on that floor and watch the Final Four, man. I remember watching Michael Jordan hit his baseline shot, you know, at North Carolina. And so I always dreamed about playing in the Final Four. Obviously, I didn't play, man, but being on that staff, you know, it was it was the same feeling. And, and going out there with, with great players and great kids. And then I think we have one more question for you, and then we're going to get into what we call third court press, where kind of we'll rapid fire a few personal questions just to get to know you better. Um, you alluded to this a little bit when we were talking about recruiting, and you were talking about you know having to convince mom and dad to you know hey you could trust me with your kid. Obviously, right. your son Alan played for you at Auburn. Now he's playing with you or playing for you at Ole Miss. How? I mean, how important and special is that to you as a coach and as a father? You know, you know, it's real it's really special, man. Um, you know, I'm I'm in this profession of uh, you know, grooming other kids, right? Uh, you know, helping, you know, a mom or dad, you know, help their child a dream you know, achieve a dream. You know, a lot of them, you know, at Auburn, you know, was to play in the NBA. Uh, you know, I've been in some JUCOs. I've been in some lower Division One programs, right? Some of it is, you know, just getting a college degree. Um, but for me, man, to uh, be with my son and see him each and every day, to watch him grow and develop like I've watched so many, you know, kids over my 25-year career, man, it's been special. I've missed a lot of time with him. I've missed a lot of time with my other son, Colin, who's 15. I've missed a lot of time with my oldest son, Michael. Uh, because I was on the road, you know, helping, you know, recruiting, or I was, you know, at the gym grooming another kid. And, and so, you know, to be able to, you know, be there and, and, and enjoy that same, uh, you know, uh, feeling and, um, you know, development with my own son, man, it's, it's been special. Um, you know, he's won a lot of games. You know, if he would have been at Auburn, um, you know, still this year, you know, he probably would have become one of the, uh, all-time winning his players along with Jalen Williams, another kid I commit I I, I recruited, um, you know, during his college career. 
Um, but I mean, he's here, man, at Ole Miss now. Um, he's got new voices. Uh, it's a new journey for him. I'm I'm really excited about, you know, our staff uh, and Coach Beard and what they can do with his skill level and his skill set. Um, you know, he, he's a special young man, as all of them are when they get to this level. There's not one kid in that locker room um, that's not elite, you know, when you get to this level. You have to be elite to get to the high major level, and all these guys are. But my son is unique. Uh, you know, he's had he has pro potential. Uh, he's got great size. He's got, you know, NBA-type athleticism. Uh, and I'm I'm very proud of him. I, I, I'll say this, man. He, you know, he earned a college degree from Auburn. I earned my degree from Auburn. Uh, we had a great experience there. Um, but hearing him say the words, I want to come to Ole Miss with you and Beard, when I didn't really entice him to do it, um, I didn't talk to him about it much. I kind of told him what I was doing, and he made the choice on his own. You know, to hear that as a father, man, you know that, you know, you've done your job, you know, over the years. Um, you, you know that we have a special relationship, even though sometimes we don't talk about it a lot. Um, you know, that that definitely, man, made my heart. Um, you know, I, I'm 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 just I'm just excited, man, and 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 a little bit overwhelmed as the uh, you know, him and his decision to come here because I really thought um that he was gonna want to turn pro, you know, this spring and you know, give up his last year of college eligibility. Okay, John, do you have the full court press questions up for Coach? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready to go. You can take it away. All right. John, yeah, I, got I just want question. to say thanks. I got a question All for right. you. What is that in the background, man? You got some snakes? I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, i tell you what, man. My wife wouldn't want to mess with you at all. She's scared. Man, nothing stuff. to worry about. <laughs> Last time we were in Mississippi, uh, man, we had a snake crawl in our garage and kind of crawled up her tire in her car. And she sat outside in the garage, man, at like 115 degree temperatures for like two and a half hours because she was that afraid of that snake. All right. And I had to drive the car for two weeks just to get her back in it. And so that that right there, I, I would like to take that and send it to her, or maybe get her to visit you one day. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, man, that was a great interview. Uh, it's funny you got me thinking about watching uh, basketball with my dad when I was a kid, and we would we would lay down on the floor, and he would he was a Tar Heels fan. He would turn the TV on mute and turn on Woody Durham on the radio. We had to sit there and watch it like that and listen to it like that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was good, good days, man. Now everybody got their own television. You know, nobody talks. Know. <laughs> in the phone. So nobody has conversations no more. So. All right. So we got these full court press questions. And what it is, it's like uh, eight or ten questions. And we just, you know, rapid fire, just ask us a question. Some of us about basketball. Some of us about you, you know, and uh, – so we'll just go ahead and throw it off. So for the first question, uh, what's your favorite basketball memory? My favorite basketball memory is, uh, you know, probably beating Arkansas uh, when I was a player at Auburn. Um, I think Arkansas was like a top two or three team. They were coming off a national championship with Cordis Williamson, Scotty Thurman, you know, that whole crew. Yeah. It was Saturday uh, afternoon game. 
And, uh, you know, again, man, our team wasn't picked to do a lot that first year with Cliff Ellis. I played with a guy by the name of Moochie Norris and Pat Burke, Chris Davis and some guys, teammates that I still communicate communicate with now. And uh, the Hogs came on the planes and, uh, you know, we beat those guys by about 20 points. And 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 the, and the young boy, 70 pounds ago, had about 25 points, man. So that's, that's right. probably greatest memory man it was you know arkansas is my home you know my home state and so to beat those guys man was was an unbelievable feeling that day all right yeah, i remember that team <laughs> right. who's your all-time favorite player oh no no doubt michael jordan is michael jordan hands down okay i would i would say the person that i've seen in person that i thought was the greatest player that i've ever seen or played against and I played against a lot of great players in the SEC, but I, I would have to get at Allen Iverson. Um, you know, I was a really good defender when I played, uh, but that that dude there made me feel like I had concrete in my shoes, man. He was so quick. Um, but but Michael Jordan, man, hands down, you know, his competitive fire, his spirit, uh, his ability to close out games, um, you know, and then his creativity and 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 you know his his brand that he built, you know, and and maybe one of the first guys to you know build a brand as as, as strong as that that still stands to this day, made him made him very special and number one in my heart. All right, uh, what is something most people probably don't know about you? Um. Oh. Man, I, I would say I, I love to watch television. You know, I'm a movie guy, um, you know, Netflix. So during COVID, right, COVID was great for me. Man, I was I was able to enjoy life. You know, this college basketball thing, man, we rip and run all the time. And, you know, we miss out on a lot of things. But during COVID, man, things slowed down. I actually, um, you know, got a, got a great, great fondness of this thing called Netflix that I knew I didn't know anything about before COVID. And, man, I would just sit there on the couch, man, and just binge watch, man, like series. Like, I, I had never seen Game of Thrones. I caught on the Game of Thrones during COVID, and it was like the sixth season or something like that. And I started, man, I started that thing on season one, man. I would watch like six or seven episodes in one day just laying on the couch, right? So I'm actually, man, like a, like a homebody, man. I like watching movies, man. I like hanging out with my, with my family. Um, and then I can kind of turn that off, man, when it's time for work. Who's your coach and role model? My dad. Not, not even close. Um, you know, my dad My dad taught me. Uh, I, I was a guy, man, that watched the dude get up every day and uh, devote his time um, and, and, and everything, man, to his family. Um, and so, you know, not only that, but he devoted his time, man, to, to his players and he mentored a lot of young men in, in, in the state of Arkansas and in Little Rock. And, uh, you know, to this day, you know, everything that I'm about, you know, is instilled, uh, in me through him and, and obviously my mom being right beside him. So it'd be my dad. All right. And, uh, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Ooh, a superpower. Ah, uh, I I would say to disappear, to be invincible. Uh, I I would like that, you know, just to kind of disappear, man, and watch people and them not be able to know I'm there. Yeah, that would that would be a great thing for me. 
I'm I'm very very observant, man. Like if you if you ever around me, man, you'll see me. I'm a I may be a little bit standoffish. I may be a little bit quiet, uh, but I'm very observant of things that are around me. Um, so that that would be great for me, man, to be invincible and and just be able to enjoy people and them not be be uh not not realize I'm there. Right. So when you were a player, what was your number and how did you choose it? 22. You know, again, man, everything about me involves around my dad. My dad was a, um, you know, Division two, you know, NAIA All-American. Um, you know, probably had some opportunities, man, to play some professional basketball. But again, you know, he chose his family. Um, but he wore 22 uh, at home and 23 on the road. Uh, and I chose 22, and I think every team that I played on, man, except for maybe my middle school team when I was in the seventh grade, I think I had to wear number 12. Um, but every team that I played on, I wore 22, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, I always had that number on. I wore it with a lot of pride. I think you might already answer this a little bit, but the best player you ever played with or against? Yeah, it was AI. wasn't even close. Not even close. You know, I, you know, Randy Livingston was another great one. Um, before Randy's knees, man, he would probably be, you know, like Jason Kidd. Before Jason Kidd, point guard with a lot of size, a lot of creativity, great passer, great IQ. But but AI was different, man. And a lot of people saw that during his career, man. He was about five eleven, probably about one hundred sixty five pounds, soaking wet. But man, he played so much bigger. And uh, when he caught the ball, man, there was no mercy, man. Like, you could not take a playoff with him. Anytime he caught the ball, you had to actually sit down and try to keep him from scoring. Um, and then if you could do that, which was a huge, taller task, right, uh, then he may pass it. But every time, man, he would make you guard it, and that's what made him special, man. He was he was unmerciful on, on the offensive end. All right. So going from there, who's the best player you've ever coached or coached against? Uh, the best player I've ever coached was obviously Jabari, Jabari Smith. Um, uh, Jared, Jared Harper would probably be right behind him. Uh, our point guard on the final four team. Um, I, I would say coaching against. Mm, that's a tough one. Now. I've coached against a lot of great players. Uh, that's not just one player that that stands out. Um, you know, it's it's been a lot of great ones in the SEC. So I would just say a lot of guys. You know, some of the better players in the SEC throughout my history. All right, and this is our last question. I think I might be able to answer it for you, but LeBron or, or Jordan? <laughs> Jordan, Jordan. <laughs> you know, if if LeBron, you know, happens to win a couple of more championships. You know, I think I think he definitely, you know, falls into that argument. Obviously, man, he's the, you know, he's he's the number one scorer in you know professional basketball history in the NBA. Um, you know, he he's he's so cerebral. Uh, he affects winning. Uh, we've never seen anything like LeBron. You know, to be honest with you, uh, with his size, his strength, and his speed and quickness. You know, I think I think he's probably maybe the greatest athlete of all time. Uh, with that combination of size and speed, uh, but but for me, man, it, it still goes back to Mike, man. It, I mean, it, you know, he he was a, he was a, he was a special dude, man. Um, both of those guys are special in their own right, but you know, I think all of those guys, Kobe, you know, LeBron, all the guys that came after Mike, 
um, AI, you know, they all, they all, you know, reverse field and, 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 you know, tip their hat to Michael Jordan. All right. Well, that's it, man. That's the full court press, man. It's been, it's been awesome being able to listen to you, man. And, and, uh, and sharing these stories with us and this wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. And we're looking man, forward I, to seeing the Reds this year. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on, having me on, man. We're, uh, we're at work. And, uh, you know, we hope to make this community, man, this university, um, you know, in this state, you know, very proud, man, of what we do here in the future with this team. Of course. Again, thank you so much. This was super insightful. And John and I were high on the Ole Miss basketball program coming into this year before we had you on. Now, you know, we we have a vested interest in a sense now that we got to um, get to know you better, Coach. Um, I'm marking on my calendar. I'm a Temple alumni. You guys are coming to Leah Court Center. So maybe you and I could link up then. Um, but otherwise, this is this concludes this episode of the One and Done podcast. You guys could rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, we just started our YouTube channel where we're doing prior breakdowns and film breakdowns and interviews as well. So be on the lookout for those. Go subscribe to that at One and Done Pod on YouTube. And John and I will talk to you next episode. Thank you, Coach, again for coming on. And that's the end of this episode. Thank you guys, man. Howdy toddy.